it's it's always a, an honor, a privilege to come to Connecticut and to be with our family. Uh, but we we enjoy so much when we get to to be here for Sunday service and to be with uh, everyone. Uh, it's truly an honor. It's a blessing. I want to thank Brother Brown and, and Pastor Tryon for giving me the opportunity this morning to to speak with you. Um, and I'm going to turn the service over to my much much prettier side. Uh, my lovely wife, Emily, she's going to bless us with a song. Thank you.
She's not used to me preaching from her iPad, so <laughs> praise God. Praise God. But I thought my laptop would be a little bit too bulky to be up here. I had an iPad for about three months. It's still a little sore. It's only been a year and a half. I was on my way to church one day, and I set it on top of the van, never to be seen from again. She said, you ain't getting another one. Well, praise God. At least I know that there's some laughter in here, uh, that we have that ability. Can I get an amen? Can I get a praise God? All right, so I know we can say amen, and I know we can say praise God, so I know that I've got some people that are going to help me preach this morning. So with the laughter, the amen, and the praise God, I think we can be out of here in less than two hours. Right? <laughs> praise God. I promise you I'm not long-winded, but it is. Uh... But we'll see. We'll see what God has to do for us today. I want to go ahead and just dive into the word of the word of the Lord this morning and turn into Joshua chapter 24. And we're going to go through verse 2 through 8. And then we're going to kind of go down to verses 14 through 15. It says, And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah. And the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave, un I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. You know, it's very interesting. When you, when you dive into the Word of God and you look at the plagues and you look at the things that happened through Israel, and this is kind of, a, this is kind of something that just, just, just came to me all of a sudden. When you, go, when you dive into the Word of God and you see the things that happened to the Israelites even, a lot of times it was because there was something that they needed to remove out of their, out of their house, right? Out of their tents, out of their, out, of their, out of their people, out of their church. Sometimes the sin of one person can cause a lot of pain to a multitude. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season, and I brought unto you the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan, and they fought with you. And I gave them unto your, land, or unto your hand, that you may possess their land. And I destroyed them before you. Now let's go down to verse 14 and 15. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Lord Jesus, Lord, we ask that you open our hearts this morning, God. Lord, that you minister to us in a mighty way, God, that you use me as a vessel unto your kingdom, O God. Lord Jesus, Lord, that I say nothing, Lord, that doesn't come from you, O God. Lead me, Lord Jesus, by your hand, O God, to speak to your people, God. Lord Jesus, we give you all the praise and glory, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. You see, we have a tendency to kind of go through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And if you read the Bible straight through in a year, then it can kind of all kind of jumble together, right? We can, we can go from one verse to the next to the next to the next, and it seems as though everything happened overnight. When Brother Brown was talking about Joseph, it took 20 years for him to get to the point from where he was sold into slavery until he was actually with Pharaoh side by side. He had a long path to go. But there's something that, that comes with that path, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about the path of servanthood. Because just like what Brother Brown said earlier, 
not the verse of Scripture that says that God will turn everything that is evil into good doesn't apply to everyone. It applies to those that are serving the Lord. It applies to those that are following that path of servanthood. It applies to, jo to Joshua in this Scripture when he's standing before the people. It applies to Paul when Paul said, Paul said at the end of his life, he said, listen, I have told you everything. I have, I, have, I have done everything I can to warn you. I have left nothing unsaid. I have done, I have given you every instruction that I know to give you, and I have not, I've not fluffed anything. I've not hidden nothing from you. So Paul died with no regrets because he was following that path of servanthood. Sometimes that path is not pretty. Sometimes that path is rough. Sometimes that's hard on Brother Tryon when he's standing up here and he's trying to, and he feels God speaking to him to, hey, address this issue in the church. Sometimes that path is tough for Brother Brown when he has to go to somebody and say, listen, we can't have that here. We can't do that here. It's not an easy task for a man of God to have to address somebody. But it's something that has to happen. It's not an easy path when you lose everything that you have. It's not an easy path when you... For, for saints of God, when you go home to find that your house is burnt down and everything that you had is now gone. The path is not easy when you lose a family member. The path is not easy when you lose someone so close to you that you want to cry out to God and say, God, why have you done this? Why has this happened to me? I've served you fervently. I've served you with everything I got. That path is not always easy. But it's in that path that we can see where God can take what the devil meant for evil and turn it into good. Especially in a world where all we see is evil every time we turn on the TV. Every time you look at your news channels, every time you look into your, your phone and you see all the articles going on, all you see is evil plaguing our streets. But God can take that evil and turn it for good. I mean, just think about it. Six months ago, how many churches were actually live streaming on Facebook their services? You want to talk about reaching the world? We're doing it every day. You've got families who have left the church and said, I don't want to be a part of that, that are now able to get on Facebook and they're actually watching it. They're watching in their PJs at home. What the devil meant for evil, God is turning into good every day before our eyes. But we've got to be able to pull ourselves away from the evil and say, listen, let me see what the light is in all of this. Let me see what God is doing for the good in all of this. And then you go visit a family member. They say, hey, i seen that service you guys were at church on Sunday. i seen you guys singing and praising. And that's when you can say, you should be there. It's so much better in person. Keep your PJs on. They won't care. Just make sure they're long sleeve and they're kind of, they cover everything. We just got to get them here. But we have a tendency to go through the scripture and we, we kind of put everything into, into one after another event and we go from scripture to scripture. But what we read in Joshua. All the enemies, actually let me back up for a minute because this isn't really important. I kind of skipped around a lot. When you go through the scripture and you see 20 years pass by, you see so many miracles that took place, so many things that happened. And even in the wilderness, they, they happened countless times. Countless times the people, the Israelites, seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Did you know the manna that they ate was a heavenly angelic food that God gave them to eat? That it provided them with nutrition, with energy, with, with things that you and I don't get out of food that, that we eat from day to day. That wasn't the normal food that you and I eat. That was a heavenly angelic food. I could go for days on just one piece of manna. But they wasn't happy with that. They wanted more. They wanted meat. I want something, I want, I want something else. I'm, I'm, I'm not used to it. You know, their, their shoes never wore out. Their shoes grew with them. If my shoes could grow with me and not wear out, I'd be in a good place. I've got a rock that's buried in the sole of my foot somewhere. I can't get it out. If I could only have shoes that never wore out, 
that, that grew with me. They never had to worry about nothing, but that wasn't good enough. That wasn't good enough. We see what happens when, when Moses goes up for the Ten Commandments. What happens? The time that from the time they left Egypt to the time that, that Moses was up in the Ten Commandments, there was a time that had passed. There were things that they'd seen that they, they already had proof of God. They knew God existed. But Moses goes up to get the Ten Commandments, and what happens? What happens? Aaron is down there. Don't know why Aaron didn't continue on up the mount with him. Don't know why Aaron decided to stick around, but Aaron was down there with him. And the people start telling Aaron, I want a, I want a God. I want a God that I can see. I want a God that I can feel. I want a God that, that I can control. That was the point. It had, it had to do with nothing else. He wanted a God they can control. And it's very interesting to me because when you read the when you, when you read what the Greek word that they used for God in that, in that scripture of passage, when they, when they took all their earrings, all the jewelry, and they made this golden calf, you know what they called that? They called that God Yahweh. They called that the God that delivered them out of Egypt. They didn't change it into an idol. They wasn't looking for a different God. They were looking for God the God Almighty, to put him into a box. To say, this is the God Almighty that delivered me out of Egypt. This is the God Almighty that has done all the miracle works. He's now in my box that I can control. Now I have control. You know, it's, when we think about it and we look at it, we think, man, how could they do that? But don't we do that every day? Don't we try to do that every day? When we say... I can miss Sunday. It's okay. God understands. I don't have to, when we look for others for reassurance instead of looking into the kingdom of God for what we're doing in our life, for what we're, you know, I, I, I don't feel the need to do this anymore. So I'm going to go to my worldly friends and I'm going to get their reassurance. And they're going to give me reassurance because they don't understand. But there's a difference when you're following the path of servanthood. There's a difference when you're following the path of servanthood. I cannot go and seek counsel from my worldly friends. I've got to seek counsel from the men and women of God. Because they're the ones that are going to say, no, no, you are not treading backwards. You, God didn't bring you this far for you to take 20 steps in the wrong direction. God brought you this far so that you can continue on the right path. None of, us are, none of us are immune to it. Brother Brown's not amused, immune to it. Brother Tryon is not immune to it. I'm not immune to it. You are not immune to it. The devil is constantly trying to get you to that point. And for most of us, when we read this scripture, when we read this scripture in Joshua, we've got to understand something. We've got to understand that the enemies were delivered in their hands, that they had been they had they had taken a land that they labored not the cities that they they dwelt in they built not the vineyards that the, the the olive yards which all were planted but not by their hands God provided all that and for most of us when we read this passage of scripture in Joshua 14 and 15 we've heard the scripture that I will serve the Lord as for me and my house we will serve the Lord and most of us may have proclaimed it once or twice in our life how many of you have ever stood in your house? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Made that proclamation. But I have to pull into question, what is your definition of serve? Because I've had to search deep into my life and I've had to figure it out for myself. I've had to understand that true meaning of servanthood, of discipleship, of sacrifice. And I believe that Americans have a real difficult time with this, this definition. Because Americans are not used to having kingships. We're not used to the concept of servanthood. We live in a what's in it for me generation. So we have a hard time with this understanding of sacrifice, of servitude, of servanthood. We have a hard time with that understanding. So I'm going to break it down. Well... We'll get to the chart in a minute. I don't want to get too far ahead. God is called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
in the old days, a king made the law. And what the king determined to be the law had to be followed to the letter. There was no room for error. And if you read the Bible, there was no room for error. What happened to the guy that was picking up sticks on Sunday? They, took, they, they went to God. They said, God, he was picking up sticks on, on, on a Sabbath day. God said, kill him. He broke the law. A lot of times when you read the Bible, when, when God is introducing something, he's very hard and he's very harsh because he wants you to get the picture that this is the law. He's got to be very strict on it. You didn't have the option of rewriting the law. So what is Joshua asking in this passage? He's asking them to make a decision. And it's the same decision that you and I are going to have to make. Are you going to serve Baal? Are you going to serve the idol gods? Are you going to serve the gods of your father? Are you going to serve the gods of this world? Or are you going to serve the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of glory? I was reading a book from John Bevere. Some of you may have heard it. It's called Killing Kryptonite. And it's really interesting because it puts uh, Christians on parallel with Superman. That's us. We just can't fly. One day we will. One day we will. Praise God. One day we're going to fly. And we're going to fly high. But we're on parallel with Superman. But you know what Superman had? Superman had kryptonite that he wasn't allowed to get close to or it would kill him. You know what Christians have? We've got kryptonite. We can't get close to where it will kill our spirit. That kryptonite is the world. That kryptonite is the things of this world. Phenomenal book. But in that book, he uses an example of, uh, and he's really talking about serving God, and he's, he uses an example of Justin and Jennifer. Justin and Jennifer were this couple that, that got married. They were, they, were, they were head over heels for each other in love. They got married. They started settling into their marriage and try to keep a long story short. He comes home from work one day about three months after they got married. He sees his wife all dressed up, and he said, hmm, she's wearing a gown that she wore on our first date. I wonder what, what I missed. Maybe I should get dressed up too. Maybe we're supposed to go somewhere, and I didn't remember. But should I have stopped and got her flowers? So he asked her, he says, he says, uh, should I get dressed up too, trying to not set off any alarms? She says, no, no, don't worry about it. You're fine. You can dress up if you want. He says, okay. He's like, well, I'm going to go ahead and dress up. He starts getting dressed. And she's with some awkwardness, and he asks a few questions. And she's kind of set off by the alarms of these questions and stuff. She says, what's going on? He goes, well, I, he goes, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I didn't know we had plans tonight. She goes, we don't. He goes, wait, I don't understand. What do you mean we don't have plans? We're dressing up. He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm going out with uh, a boyfriend from high school, and then we're going to go stay in a motel afterwards. I'll be home sometime late tomorrow. Justin said, wait a second. That's not how this works. When we got married, you, you, you were dedicated to that marriage. You were dedicated to me. Jennifer says, wait a second. That's not what I bought into. I married you because you're my favorite. Justin's like just absolutely mind blown. Didn't know where to go from there. And he says, this ain't going to work for me. We can't do this. This is not what marriage is. But you know what the problem was in this whole situation? Justin had his ideal of marriage, and Jennifer had her ideal of marriage, and neither one of them were on the same plane. And neither one of them talked about it. You know that marriage between you and God is very similar? That marriage between you and God, you've got to be on the same plane as God. Because you can't get married to God and go down this path of servitude. You can't get married to God and say, I am sold out to you, God, but then I'm going to go live for the world at the same time. It doesn't work that way. I can't live for God and live for the world in the same breath. That is not how this works. God says, you're either sold out to me, you're either dedicated to me, you're either living for me, or you're not. You're either hot or you're cold. That's it. That's all we got. It's either hot or cold. 
You cannot have an affair on God. Serving him the way that Joshua did, the way that Moses did, the way that Abraham did, and by the way, the way that Job did. Job lost everything that he had. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine coming home one day and losing your wife, your kids? You, you lost all your animals. You lost everything that you had. Now, granted, Job didn't lose his wife, but he lost everything that he had. He lost his kids. He lost his, his, his source of income. He lost his, his farm, his animals. He lost everything. And his wife had told him, said, why don't you just curse God and get it over with? That's hard. That's hard when somebody so close to you gets to that point where she's so done. She's done. I'm tired. I have lost everything just as you have, Job. Why can't you just curse God and get this over with? And Job says, you speak of a foolish woman. And Job ran his clothes and he went to God. That's the type of servitude that we need to have. That through it all, I am going to serve God. That's the type of mentality. That it doesn't matter what happens to me on this earth, that I am going to serve God with everything I have. And I know that's hard. I know that's hard. And I know some of you are thinking, well, let's see how you would respond in that situation. That's a hard thing to grasp. That's a hard concept to have. But we have got to have those conversations that in, our, in our families, in our lives, to say, hey, listen, no matter what happens to mommy and daddy, you serve God. No matter what happens to brother or sister, you serve God. Because the only thing that's going to save you in this world is you serving God. The only thing that's going to save this world is God. Joshua made a, de a, a definitive stance. He said, no matter what happens to me and my family, I'm going to serve the Lord in spirit and in truth. Joshua 24 and 16 says, and the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord and serve the other gods. The people, they made a boldly, uh, a boldly claim that they're going to serve the Lord, that never forsake the Lord. And we've done the same thing. It's so easy to say it, but when it comes time to have to live it, are we going to keep our promise? Are, you can talk the talk, but are you going to walk the walk? The first sign of struggle, are you going to throw in the towel? When times get rough, are you going to turn away from God? When the unthinkable comes to pass in your relationship with God, is it going to be strong enough to weather the storm? I've got to tell you something. Talk is cheap. The moment that you decide to truly serve God, to dedicate your life to prayer, to reading his word, to fasting, to discipleship, don't think for a moment the devil's going to sit on the sidelines and watch that happen. He's going to throw everything at you that he's got. And he ain't stupid. Don't underestimate your enemy. He ain't stupid. He knows what's worked in the past. He knows what it took before to get you away from God. And he knows what he's going to try again. When you're walking for God and you're progressing in your relationship with God, don't think that the devil everything away from God. But we've got to remember that God has got a very specific way of doing things. And as long as we're staying on that path, as long as we're doing what God has instructed us to do, as long as we're living for God the way He tells us to live for Him, that it doesn't matter what the devil throws at you. That it doesn't matter what the devil comes to you with. God's going to bring you through it. God's going to bring you through the fire. God's going to bring you through the storm. You may be going through a struggle right now, but if you stay faithful to the word of God, if you stay faithful to the kingdom of God, God's going to bring you through it. God's going to bring you through it. Now, you might come through it with a limp. He never said that you're not going to be, you're not going to come through it with something to show that you've been through it. You may, have, you may walk a little different. You might be as Jacob when Jacob wrestled the angel and he had a limp. He said, you're going to remember this battle. You're going to remember this struggle. I might have to walk with an, a, a limp for the rest of my life, but I will know where I stand in the kingdom of God. I will, I will have that memory when somebody asks me what happened. 
I had a struggle. It was a mighty struggle, but, the, but God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, brought me through it. And this is what I have to show for it. It's my limp. This is my testimony. King Saul. <laughs> you know, the guy's very picky. God's very strict. You're either going to follow what I tell you to do. You're either going to tell you're either going to do what I tell you to do, the way I tell you to do it, or you're not going to do it. King Saul didn't understand that. King Saul was told to go to the Amalekites and destroy them. Everything that they got, spare nothing. Saul and his men went to the Amalekites as requested, but kept the best of the oxen, the sheep, the fastlings, the lambs, and all that was good. King Saul also took the king of the Amalekites hostage. And we see where God immediately repents for ever having making Saul as king. Saul was never supposed to be king. Let's clear that up. Saul was never supposed to be king. But you know what happened? That same people that said we were going to serve the Lord, that same people that said nothing is going to come between my relationship with God, we're going to serve. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Generations, generations, and generations went by. They were no longer serving the Lord. Because if they were, they wouldn't have requested somebody to stand between them and God. If they were, they wouldn't have requested a king like the other nations. I want to be like the rest of the world. I don't. I've seen the world. It's ugly. It ain't pretty. I don't want to be like the rest of the world. So immediately God repents of ever having made Saul as king. As a matter of fact, when he was confronted by Samuel of his wrongdoings, he couldn't see where he went wrong. He couldn't see what he had done that was, that was so wrong. What does he start to do? Samuel, the people wanted this. Society wanted this. You know, the people wanted to get the best of everything so that they can bring to a sacrifice to you. But you know what Samuel responds with, which is I think is the most magnificent thing ever. What does Samuel respond to in 1 Samuel 15 and 22? He says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Listen, you want to go out and you want to do things your way and bring a sacrifice, but if you had obeyed me, you wouldn't have had to sacrifice. Obedience is always better than sacrifice. In our worship with God, to obey Him is the best worship we could ever give God. To obey God is the best form of worship we could ever give Him. Matthew Henry says, Sacrifice is but a feeble attempt to take away that which obedience would have prevented. It is much easier to bring a bullock or a lamb to be burnt upon the altar than to bring every high thought into obedience to God and the will to submit to His will. Mm. If only we could serve God. If only we could do what we said countless times. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I have to question, what does that word serve mean to you? Exodus 30 and 20, and this is speaking to Aaron and his sons. He says, when, when they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Understand that there's always been a right and wrong way. At any point, if Aaron's sons were to enter into the tabernacle, any other way than the way God had prescribed, the way that God had told them they would die. The Bible, and we talked about that, we talked about the man that was picking up sticks. If he, did, if he went out and did it on a Sunday, he died. If we could look at the Old Testament and realize just how important it was and is for us to follow the Word of God to the letter and how important it was for them to have a teachable spirit. Do not read into it what is not there. And do not look for ways to interpret it differently. I've heard it said my whole life, and many of you probably have, that I've heard questions like, do you honestly believe that all those who are not baptized in Jesus' name are going to hell? Yes, I do. And it's hard to hear. It's not easy to hear. But yes, I do, because God has a specific way of doing things. And what I know about God is God does not lie. 
God's got a specific formula. He's got a specific thing that he says, thou shalt do. Things that you have to do. We can't pick the Bible apart and say, I'm going to listen to this, but not this. Anything that, that the Old Testament told us to do that God didn't want us to do later on, he replaced it with something else. Just because you read it differently than I do, does that make you right? Listen, listen, listen very closely. It's not about me or it's not about either one of us being right. It has nothing to do with me being right over you. But it has everything about us being right with God. Through His Word, it's very important for us to read the Word of God and to seek through Him the path that we take. How many of you decided to quit praying to God when God was telling you not to do something you wanted to do? How many times has God got to tell you no before you listen? Listen, if you want something bad enough, God's going to let you have it. If you keep going to God saying, I want this, I want this, I want this, God's going to let you have it. Look at Balak and Balaam. How many times did Balaam go to Balak, or did, did Balaam send people to Balak and say, listen, I'm going to get those names flip-flopped all over the place, I'm sorry. He kept sending for them to go to him and say, hey, go to God about this. I want to, to, to destroy the Israelites. I want to curse them. I want to curse the Israelites. And God says, no, that's my people. I've made that very clear. Balaam didn't have to go to God for that. He knew where God stood with that, but he did anyways. He said, I will. God gave him the word. He goes back. The people go back, and they, they report it to the king, and the king says, that's not good enough. Send more important people that are higher, that are more respected. Send them. And bring Balaam back. Balaam didn't have to go to God for that, but he did. He knew where God stood. God ain't going to change his mind. What does God do? God says, okay, go with him. Go with him. That didn't work out so well for Balaam. That's what we see about the donkey that actually speaks. Some of you may remember that more in the Bible than anything. Right? The donkey that speaks. And I'm not talking about, you know, Shrek and the donkey. That ain't what I'm talking about. He's on the road to go meet the king, and the donkey stops. He's walking, and he stops, and Balaam smacks the donkey. The donkey looks at him. The donkey keeps going. Then the donkey stops again, and he whacks him again. The donkey keeps moving. He stops again, he whacks him again, and finally God opened the mouth of that donkey. And the donkey says, why do you keep striking me? And then God opened the eyes of Balaam. God told Balaam, said, if that donkey didn't stop, every time he's seen the angel of the Lord with the sword, every time he's seen the angel of the Lord with the sword, some believe that that was actually God with the sword. I'm not here to get into the philosophies. He said, if that donkey didn't stop every time he's seen me, you would be dead by now. That donkey saved his life. God may give you what you want, but there's going to be consequences to it. It means you're not serving. You're, you're not doing what God has asked you to do. You're going down a wrong path. It's going to be painful. There might be death. There might be sufferings. There might be ailments. It's only when we stay on that path of servitude. It's only when we stay on that path of servanthood. Joshua 2, 7 through 12 says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had been all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance. I'm not going to try to say that. Timna, Timna, okay. In the Mount of Ephraim. On the north side of the hill, I'm from I'm from Tennessee, folks. You know, we we don't we don't have big words. We keep it very simple. We keep it very simple. In the Mount of Ephraim, and on the north side of the hill of Gash, I got that. Well, let's, let's hope I got that right. And also all that generations that gathered unto their fathers, 
And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord. Ooh. Ooh, what happened to that? As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. We're going to dive into that just a little bit. I promise to not be too much longer. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods of other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. Let's dissect this a little bit. I promise you I won't be too much longer. I'm going to try to get through this. Can I have Mom, can I have you come up here? Jenny, can I have you come up here? Gracie, can I have you come up here? Only one of them knew I was going to do this. I had to get Mom's permission. Ain't no way I'm going to embarrass her or not. I'll pay for that later. <laughs> We're going to dissect this a little bit. Mom, you're going to be Joshua. Jenny, you're going to be the elders. Swap places with Gracie there. Gracie, you're going to be another generation. Because this is what we've got. We've got Joshua who experienced the reality of God firsthand. He was with God. He walked with God. He talked with God. He served the Lord. He had commitment. He was committed to the things of God. He, 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 he revered the Bible as the revelation of God. That was his Bible, the revelation that he had of God. The, the Bible was what set the values in his life, and the Scripture and commandments were how he lived his life. He was dedicated to God. He was dedicated to growth. And he did what's right in God's eyes. Then we had the elders. Jenny knew about the reality of God, but secondhand. She was told about him, told stories, served God of the fathers, started to introduce compromise. Let me tell you something about compromise. What one generation accepts, the next generation will embrace. The Bible was nothing more than a helpful guide. Fellow Christians set the value. Saints and Christians are what dictated their lives. Dedicated to parents, not so much God. They reached a plateau. We can see the curve going up. We reached a plateau. We reached our peak. This is where we're at. They view things as what's right in your eyes. Another generation came around. This is what's happening. And if you're not careful, this is what's going to happen in your families. This is what's going to happen in my family if I'm not careful. Brother Brown, this is what's going to happen in your family if you're not careful. Another generation didn't know the works of God. Unfamiliar with the miracles, served false gods, had a lot of conflicts. The Bible was nothing more than an ancient relic that needed to be updated. The world set the values. Is that not the world we live in now? We, we, we care more about society and culture. We're dedicated to ourselves. And we go with the flow and everything that we do is about what's right in my eyes. Is that not what we see in today's world? Did we not, do we not see the generation that came that, that served God with everything they had? Our parents, our grandparents that came and they served God with everything they had. They talked about it. They may have, they may have introduced it to them, but they wasn't strict on them. They wasn't, they wasn't telling them what they needed to hear every day. Paul says, have no regrets. I'm going to be held accountable for what I teach my kids. I'm going to be held accountable for what I teach, what I tell saints, what I teach others. So they didn't know how strict to be. They didn't know how hard to be. They didn't know what to say when the time came to talk about the things of God. So then what do you have? You have another generation that comes up and knows nothing about God. Knows nothing about the servitude of God. Knows nothing about the dedication to God, the commitment to God. God, help our country, God. That's the world we live in. Y'all can go sit down. But that is the world we live in. That's what's wrong with this world is we've forgotten how to serve God. That's the heart of it. It 
if we can learn how to serve God, everything else will fix itself. Guard your family. They're not going to like what you say. That's okay. That's okay. They're not going to like it that you tell them, no, don't go to prom. That's not where I want you associated. They're not going to like it when I say, don't go to the movie theaters because that's not where I want you. They may sneak behind my back, but they know where I stand. It was not an uncommon practice for the Israelites to turn away from their wickedness and then go back to them over time. 1 Samuel 3, 10 through 14 says, And the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. And in that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken. Understand, Eli. What happened to Eli? Eli decided I'm not good. Eli made a decision in his house. Eli made a decision in his house. And because of that decision, because he didn't hold his kids accountable, because he didn't hold his kids to the kingdom of God, hold them close. Where did they end up? Wasn't in the kingdom of God. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquities of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. It is our duty, it is our responsibilities that we teach the next generation about God. Not how we view God, but what the Word of God says about obeying His commandments. It's not about me. It's about God. They can't get to heaven on my coattail. They can't get to heaven on pastor's coattail. You know how they get to heaven? They get to heaven by reading the Word of God, by going into a prayer with God and saying, God, open my eyes to your Word. By fasting, by prayer, by supplication. If you don't want your children to end up in hell, then start now. It's not pretty. It's not easy. But serving God wasn't meant to be easy. It was meant to be a commitment, a dedication. You know what makes it easy? Doing it every day. Because it's all you know. It's all you know. Teach them about the Word of God. And I'm closing. I'm getting ready to the end. But it's our duties to teach them. To teach them about the Word of God. To teach them about His statutes. To teach them about His plans. And for the love of all things, do not... Add to or take away. It ain't your word. Leave it alone. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. When 9-11 happened, the churches were filled for many weeks. It wasn't long before they became empty again. Now we've got politicians wanting us to change our ways, to change our beliefs, to change God's word. Why is that? Well, it's pretty simple. We've become just like the Israelites in the wilderness. We have erected our own version of who God is. And instead of preaching the word and loving people, if you really love people, you're going to tell them the truth no matter how hard it hurts. I'm sure Pastor Tryon and Brother Brown can speak to the number of people that have left this church because they couldn't handle what was said to them. But you know what? God tells them to say it. They don't have a choice. Because if they don't tell you what you don't want to hear, God's going to hold them accountable. That's on them. 
We've erected our own version of God. We're not calling out sin. We have instead been more concerned with not upsetting them for fear of losing them that we let them continue in their sin and don't say a word. You know what happened in Israel when that happened to the Israelites? They had a man that was living in their, in their midst, and I don't remember his name. I, I didn't really brush up on it. But they had a, a man living in their midst that was, that was struggling with sexual sin, and they let it happen. They let it happen. So what happened is, what I tell you, God, one starts to sin. One, one, one bad potato spools the whole bunch. One bad apple spools the whole bunch. So what happened? They started seeing people die. Plagues started to affect the whole group of Israelites. People started to die. People were sick. People were hungry. People were poor. Phinehu, what's his name? Brother, do you know offhand? Phineas. Phineas watched him go in the tent with this lady. Matter of fact, somebody brought him the lady. Phineas watched that man go in the tent. Phineas had enough. Phineas said, I'm not, I'm not going to watch everybody around me die. I'm not going to watch everybody around me get sick. I'm not going to live in this, 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 this environment anymore. So what did Phineas do? He grabs a spear, and he goes into that tent. He, they, the Bible says that he took that spear through both that man and the girl. He killed the What happened? What would have happened if, if somebody would have confronted that man long before? Why didn't they confront the man? Was it that he had high stature in the, among the people? Was he, was he paying his tithes regularly? Was he, was he supporting the church more than, than financially? Was, what was his tithes? Why, why was he so important that they didn't say anything? But everybody suffered by it. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter what they have. As a leader in the church and in your home, silence is acceptance. Do you know how loud you are when you keep quiet? Do you know what you're saying to your kids when you keep quiet? As a pastor, not me as pastors in churches, as leaders in churches? Do you know what we're doing to saints and men and women of God when we keep silent? As experienced saints, do you know what we're doing to the babes in Christ when we keep quiet? Do you know the volume that you are speaking to them when you keep quiet? Things have to happen at certain levels. You don't want to immediately start bombarding them with everything that they've, they've got wrong in their life. But you coach them and lead them. You take them by the hand and you say, let's work on this. Let's, let's, let's take one thing at a time. i got a funny feeling that you lead them to the altar. God will do the rest. You ain't got to do much but get them to church and get them to the altar. You, let, you lead them, you pray with them, you say, listen, I'm going to pray with you. Let God do the rest. Because our God is mighty. Our God is wonderful. Our God is a high tower that I can run to. We look at Christ's life and he spent so much time teaching his disciples, equipping them so that they, they after he was glorified, could go and teach the truth into the lands. When we fail to teach those who are to come after us, then we are setting them up to become victim to a false teaching, to become victims of serving Baal. Before we can begin to teach others, we must have a full understanding of who God is and what is required from us. The only way that we can, that we can do this is to open His Word and to begin to truly serve Him. Dissect that in your own life. Dissect that in your family. I want to serve God. I want my family to serve God, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to turn all the noise off. Put your phones on silent. 
every night we're going to come together as a family. We're going to pray. We're going to read. We're going to go to God. We're going to worship God. We're going to live for God. If you want your children to follow after the Lord and after the things of the Lord, you must teach them of the Lord. Teach them not the way that you want them to go, but in the ways of the Lord. I'm going to turn the service back over to Brother Brown. Amen. Amen. Excellent, excellent message and challenge from the Word of God. Thank you, Brother Ross. Sister Melanie's going to play. I want you to just find a place to pray right now. We do have the altar set up um, in such a way that there's dots on the floor. If you want to come down to the altar area, it still allows you to keep the six-foot distance. Um, if you want to pray right where you're at, why don't you pray where you're at? But I think we need to answer this challenge to get on the path and stay on the path to serve our faith. Amen. And so today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us and we're going to pray. But find a place to pray. Whether you want to kneel where you're at, you can stand where you're at, you can... You can come up down here to this altar if you, if you would like to come down to the altar area. Amen. We'll respect you. Uh, no one will be laying hands on you unless you want us to. If you do want us to, let us know. Um, if we feel so led, we will ask you. We won't do it without your permission. But we need to answer this call. It's, it's been a clarion call. It's been a very clear challenge to us to get on this path and stay on this path to servanthood. And so right now, let's just begin to accept this challenge, to respond to it. Lord, here I am today. Lord, if there's anything in my heart in which I have strained off the path of, of, of servanthood, if I've gotten off the path, Lord, if in any way I've neglected things that I should have been done, doing, Lord, I'm asking that you forgive me. I repent for it right now. I'm sorry, Lord. If I've erected some kind of other idols in my life, Lord, I, I ask you to show it to me and forgive me for it, Lord, and I, I commit to getting rid of them out of my life. Lord, if I've made other things more important, Lord, even by mistake, if I've made things a greater priority than you, Lord, I'm sorry for it right now. Right now, Lord, I put you back on the throne of my life. If I put you back on the throne of my heart, as a father right now, Lord, I put you on the throne of my family again, God. I put you on the throne of my marriage. Lord, I, I just surrender all to you again right now. I need you, Lord, to lead me and guide me in everything that I do. I hear your call today, Lord. I'm going to serve you with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, with everything that is in me, Lord. I'm going to do everything as unto you, and I'm going to do everything with all of my heart. And so I give myself to you today, Jesus. All over again, Lord, I rededicate and I reconsecrate my life to you. Jesus, here I am. I'm yours, Lord. Everything that I am, everything that I've not, that I'm not, everything that I've got, Lord, I give it all to you right now. I give you all of me today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I put you first. I put you first, Jesus. I put you first. Wherever you're at in your worship space right now, if you're at home and you're watching on the live stream, don't tune us out just yet. Let's reach out to the Lord. And let's put God first once again. Let's just make sure. Take the time to search your heart right now. 
and make sure that Jesus really is first, that you really are on the path to servanthood, of serving Him with everything that is within you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Our worship team is going to sing. I want you to continue to pray right now. Continue to reach out to the Lord for a little while.
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I surrender all to you today. I will withhold nothing from you, Jesus, from this day forward. Thank you, Lord, for your challenge today. Thank you for your word. Praise God.